Hello everyone. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing a place that me and Kim have been meaning to get to for a while. Yeah. Um, probably one of the most popular haunted places in all of Ohio called Gore Orphanage. Um, I will say going into this episode, I did not know much about it. Yeah. Um, actually on Vermillion's own like Chamber of Commerce website, they have pretty in-depth information probably because yeah. they got tired of all the <laughs> misinformation right so we're going to be using the majority of the information we're providing is going to be from this but um yeah we did go there so there's going to be some footage we did some real light ghost hunting by the time we got there it was late and there was a park ranger so we did a little small evp session but we got nothing so i'm going to not end up including that in the video we might go back there in the future now that we actually know how to get to it yeah because we probably took an hour and a half trying to find it yeah we just um, drove around vermilion like i couldn't for this place i couldn't find an address online anywhere and then it turns out um google maps actually just knew where it was <laughs> so if i just would have specifically used google maps instead of googling it i would have found it like so if you're in the area and you want to look for it, just Google it. Yeah. Like, Google Maps it, and it'll take you right to it. So, so a little easier to... If you are watching this and not just listening to it, we will be um, showing footage because we did go there, um, and I did film there and stuff like that, so there's going to be some, like, B-roll going as we're talking. So if you're just listening to this in podcast form on the Creeps, Creatures, and Haunt podcasts... Um, then you can go over to YouTube to see what the location looks like. There's not much left. But that being said, Fert, we're going to kind of do this, I guess, chronologically, so the history, but we're going to start off with what the legend of Gore Orphanage is. Yeah. So let Kim take it away. All right. So the legend is that an orphanage in Vermilion was engulfed in flames, and the screams of children could be heard could be heard from onlookers as this place just went up and over a hundred orphans perished in this fire and of course the supernatural thing is that you can hear the children screaming you can see a building on fire you can see ghostly lights all this fun stuff right so that is what the legend is yeah. as with most legends there is almost no truth to that um, Gore Orphanage didn't really burn down. I mean, technically, I think some of the buildings did, but after yeah. they were abandoned, it almost sounds like they were burnt down more on purpose to kind of yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is weird truths to the legend, which I think goes for a lot of legends. There's usually like some kind of semblance of truth. Yeah. Something that's spurred the rumor in the beginning. So now we're going to kind of start with, um, like the actual, like thing that happened. So... We'll, we'll start with the thing that was, um, like, the first thing that I guess was built on the property, right? It was the mansion. Yes. Um, the family by the name of Swift actually built a mansion on the property. And um, they lived there for uh, quite a few years. Mm -hmm. um, they also did have children that passed away there and such like that. Um yeah. But, um, because his name was Joseph Swift and he was yeah. a farmer. Um, and it says he came in bad luck in 1831. Swift's five year old daughter, Trefinia, died in 1841. His 24 year old son, Heman, 
weird old names. He also died soon after Swift's fortunes dried up due to poor investments in the railroad business. Um, now, this is probably the first thing that, that gets a little bit interesting because the home was sold to a Nicholas Wilbur, who's a renowned spiritualist. And, um, you know, spiritualists are big into the supernatural, like to hold, like, nightly seances and such like that. So then, of course, um, rumors started going that mysterious... Uh, Rituals and seances were being held at the house um, to conjure spirits of the deceased children that died there of the Swift family. Right. I mean, it was said uh, there's rumors that his children were psychic and could um, basically talk to the yeah the, the dead children of um, yeah Joseph Swift and, and stuff like that. While records and gravestones claim that four Wilbur grandchildren died from what is that? Diphtheria. Yeah, diphtheria epidemic after Wilbur's move from the home. Residents insisted that they died at the Swift Mansion and were buried there, but it sounds like that wasn't true. Now, the home was abandoned in 1901, and I guess after it was abandoned, even back then, it was a popular place for teenagers to go and kind of run amok. And then in 1902 is when um, a man by the name of Reverend John... All right, well, oh, is it John? Jo Johan? Johan Sprunger um, came into possession of the property. And, yes. yeah. So, Reverend Sprunger came from Indiana with his wife, and they established the Light of Hope Orphanage on the property where the Swift Mansion was. They mm -hmm. didn't actually use the Swift Mansion, though. They built um, four more um, buildings on the property, um, mostly like, um, like kind of like dormitory-ish kind of buildings and then like farm, like farmhouses kind of, or like barns and things like that. Yeah, they had like a chapel that was located in the boys' dormitory. They had um, a school that was there. Um, the boys stayed at what was called the Hughes Farm which was their building that they stayed at. And then the girls would stay at the Howard farm. Um, and they would, they also had a printing press so they could print their own school books and they had like a, um, newspaper that they would print as well for things that were happening around the farm, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but they were very self-sufficient on this farm and, uh, it was over 543 acres of land. Yeah, so it's a pretty big property. Big property. And when driving there, like there is like a huge field that's beside it, so I assume some of like that was there. Yeah. Is it, I, I, it's hard to understand exactly where some of this stuff was because again, what we found was the ruins of the, the Swift Mansion, right? Yes. That's that's what yeah. um, we you know what we went to. So there doesn't seem to be any remnants of the actual orphanages. At least I don't know if there is. If you've been to it and you know if there's a way to find that, let us know. But it was hard enough to find this as it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some interesting things, too, is a lot of people thought they were um, Johan and C Katharina, right? They were brother and sisters because they, like, shared the same last name. Yeah, because her surname was Sprunger, but his name was Sprunger as well. So everybody thought that they were just related and they weren't married. My theory is that maybe he was, like, kind of, like, 
he had some bad things happen, and he decided to change his last name to hers. Yeah, maybe because it says that um, she was the daughter of a Christian peace brunger, though no explanation has ever been given regarding Katharina's surname being the same as her husband. Yeah. So it seems like that's just a mystery. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. It's also kind of weird that... Um, where does it say about the... Because he had the orphanages in Indiana. Yeah, so... They actually had orphanages in Indiana. Oh, and it was called the Light of Hope as and well. And it was called Light of Hope. And it actually did burn down to the ground, and three girls perished in that fire. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the funny thing, too, is Gore Orphanage was never the name of the orphanage. It's the name of the road that it was located yeah. on. It was called Gore because of, like, the Land Foundation, which is yeah. a Gore. Um, and then there was an orphanage on the roads. So they basically combined the two, which is mm -hmm. what came to the name of the road. Um, but it was never called Gore Orphanage, which is funny because, of course, in some of the legends, they say that Mr. Gore, like, yeah. burned down the the thing himself mm -hmm. um, or whatever, for whatever reason, the orphanage himself. But there was never a Mr. Gore. It wasn't named after a person. It was named after a Gore. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I found that interesting. Um, so... So also as prior to moving to Ohio, the couple also lost her seven-year-old daughter, Hilaganda, these names, and a son, Edmund, died at birth. The deaths appeared to spark a passionate obsession for religious pursuits in the couple. Now, for religious people, though, um, now we get to the, the kind of darker um, part of this tale. Yeah. Um, they weren't good people. No. The Sprungers were not. Not at all. <laughs> um, so kids started running away from the orphanage and going into town, and they started, like, whoever would, tell, would like, you know, rescue them or whatever, um, started telling them that um, they were being abused, neglected, and they were sold into slave labor as well. Um, actually, some of the uh, children were rented out to neighborhood, um, like, other farmers in yeah. the area to work on their farms. Um, which was actually a true thing that happened. Um, the kids were claiming that they had a diet of calves, lungs, hogs, head, and sick cattle, and that um, when they were served corn, the corn was boiled in the same pot that they would boil their um, soiled underpants in. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously all of, all of that's ter terrible, but once a week they were occasionally given pepper or sugar. Yeah. That was like their little treat. And, and butter, and, and, occasionally. Yeah, and, and butter. Yeah. Um, the rooms were infested with rats, and when they were sleeping, they were getting bit by rats. Yeah, that, that says that occasionally happened. Um, um, oh, that he beat them with a strap um, until, like, they got great welts on their bodies. That yeah. That's also just, you know, something that terrible that happened there. Um, and probably, the, and of course, there was um, illnesses and disease. And they, even though, like, they were making this stuff for the schooling, it sounds like they kind of almost, like, gave up on that after a while. And they weren't really doing much lesson plans. It sounds like they just kind of transitioned more to making the kids do hard manual labor yeah. instead of actually teaching them. Um I think the most messed up thing that bothers me the most about it is in 1909, there, in 1909, there was an investigation that was conducted mm -hmm. um, in the state of Ohio, and they basically admitted, like, oh, yeah, we do that, but Ohio doesn't really do anything about it because there were really no laws or regulations at that time against it. So they were just like, that sucks. Yeah. So, like, nothing was ever done about it. Nothing. Like, nothing no was done. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, they're just like, well, okay, whatever. 
Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, then this pretty much continued um, for a while because, what, it, um, it permanently closed in 1916. Um, cause yeah. It says Mr. Sprunger died two years after the investig- investigation. The doors of the orphanage permanently closed July t- 1916 um, after years of financial trouble- troubles. Um, it says Pelham Hooker Blossom of Cleveland bought the orphanage orphanage property and they leased it to farmers for a period then finally sold the land it says the hughes house and again i tried to find where this is because it says it still stands at least when this article is written so i don't know if it still does but i I don't know where the hughes house is yeah um and basically the kids were given to like um sounds like other orphanages or given to the the guardians of family members and that the nightmare finally ended so i mean it wasn't uh crazy long time you said it was like 13 years 13 of years this orphanage was open for that's it and all that happened in 13 years right. which is pretty crazy um now uh there is something that happened right not too far from there that may actually kind of be um, be the reason that be people... the reason that there is the legend of the fire and the children dying in the fire so um, in what is now actually East Cleveland, it used to be called Collinwood, um, in 1908, 176 elementary school students were burned or trampled to death yeah. in a school fire. Um, the children that were coming from the upstairs were coming down the steps. They were um, greeted by fire. Like, the steps were just engulfed in fire. They couldn't get anywhere. So they would turn around to try to go back upstairs, and the kids that were coming back, coming down would just trample them over, and they couldn't get back up. Yeah. Um, the back exit of the school was locked, and when the rescuers tried to open it, when they did eventually get it unlocked, they found out that the doors actually opened inward. And so they couldn't open the doors because the children were pushing on the doors to try to get out. And they couldn't get the doors to move because the kids were just hysterics. And there was dozens and dozens of children in front of these doors. Um, A janitor was actually accused of starting the fire. Which seems to be the thing. Janitor seems to get blamed for anything bad that happens in a school like (laughs) in like old like history of like schools yeah yeah um he actually tried to rescue a child and he lost four of his own children in the fire um they did keep him under like um they did keep him in the jail for a little bit under protective custody because apparently the townspeople wanted to like basically lynch him because they just were like yes he did it let's you know kill the beast you know they were upset, you know, because they lost their kids. But I think once they found out that, oh, he lost kids too, they kind of were just like... Right. And I don't know if it ever said, like, what caused the fire. I don't know if they know for sure what actually caused the fire. No, it it didn't say anything. It just said that a fire started. Right, because I tried to also find more information out about this, but really couldn't find too much out besides the fact that it did happen. Um, But yeah, that's... A lot of people believe that at time, like, the families of the Collinwood... And just people of that town were so, you know, distraught by the tragedy that they kind of projected this onto, like, because at the time, this was right around the same time the investigation, this is 1908, so it was right around the same time that a lot of stuff was going on with Gore Orphanage. Yeah. So it sounds like over the years, it was kind of projected this story onto Gore Orphanage yeah. to kind of alleviate 
the horrific thing that happened in this town, which yeah. I mean might, you know, just be successful because again, I had a really hard time finding any actual information outside of this thing from the Chamber of Commerce of Vermilion about Gore Orphanage that this happened at this school in um Collinwood. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so, this is, I think, one of the rare instances, because, like, most of the time with, like, urban legends, there's not much merit to the story, or the true story is a lot less awful, or I feel like all of this is more terrible than yeah. just, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the thought of a stranger burning down an orphanage to silence kids is bad, but all of these things combined, the abuse, the neglect mixed with the school that was based off the true story that actually, like, are just really all these horrible things, um... Also, just find it super interesting the fact that a spiritualist did own this mansion as well, yes. and was trying to contact the dead because that was one of like the old legends too. Was there was like this woman that would like set, I think it was his, I think it was the spiritualist wife or something. Yeah, stories were told that she would set a table three times a day and pass food to the children as if they were sitting there. At night, she would light a lamp and say, "Time for bed, children, come on," and then she'd put the kids to bed. Some said the children were psychic and could bring children back after they died. So, like, this woman would basically, like, um, like try and feed and, like, put to bed these, like, ghost children yeah. um, as well. So, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, history on the property, just a lot of, like, weird, dark history. Um, there's also a cool bridge going um, yeah. to the – it's actually, like, a park. So, you are allowed to go here, by the way. Yeah. They just – you're not supposed to be there after dusk, it says. And he said there was a park ranger that came there at dusk to like seemingly make sure people weren't back there. Um, so I guess if you know if you go there, if you're going in the later evening hours, just know that you're technically not supposed to be, but I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, but this is one of those stories where there's like rituals, like the one says you're supposed to like drive up to the bridge, park, and then turn your engine off and exit the car, and then take a little stroll, um, and you'll hear a sound that sounds like crackling fire, followed by screams or cries of little children, and that's a cue um, to turn. Um, to truck it back to your car. But get this, you won't be able to start the car until you physically push it completely away from the bridge. Okay. My favorite one, and I think and I think it's funny, they joke in this, it's from strangeandspookyworld.com. Um, ritual 2 is that you basically have to lock your car with your keys in it and the car is going to start on itself. So it jokes and says, you know, make sure you bring a <laughs> spare set of keys. Obviously don't do that. That's stupid. Nothing's going to happen. Your car's not going to start by itself. Don't lock yourself out of your car in the middle of nowhere because this isn't like yeah. when you're going here it looks like you're going to a haunted place it's, it's a creepy it it's a creepy, creepy. world yeah. like you get yeah. the full ambiance um which you know you'll be able to see from a lot of the footage um but like there were deer like standing on the road like what are you guys doing here like, there's so many oh yeah was, there's a lot of deer it was crazy um and yeah the reverend's body it's buried in indiana so it's not anywhere like any of the nearby cemeteries or anything but i mean of course people report hearing like children screaming mm-hmm. laughing balls, balls of fly and all yeah. you know all of your typical haunted Speaking location things. stuff um some investigators actually say that because of the tragedies that happened here like the whole abuse and things like that that it kind of left like an in like a spiritual like or like a psychic imprint on the land yeah and so like the screams and the noises that you hear are just like psychic recordings of things that happened there just playing over and over again kind of like a residual haunt basically but it's just noises happening that you know it would you can't interact with them or anything like that so 
who knows? Right. So, I mean, I'm curious. It's really popular. Has anyone that's watching this, listening to this, have you been there? Did you have an experience? Would you be interested in seeing us do an actual, like, ghost hunting episode there? Again, it's a very small area, but I wouldn't mind going there and actually taking more equipment back and just spending some time. Because, again, we were there for maybe 10 to 20 minutes. Yeah. We didn't investigate for very long just because we, that ranger was, like, right there. And we're like, eh, we don't want to push our luck. Um but yeah, I think it would be interesting to yeah. go back there and, and do you and know see. where the Hughes farm is? If yeah. you do know that, please let us know so we can find it. Yeah, we Hughes, would like to go back there. Yeah, because it was like the Hughes house or something like yeah. that, Hughes mansion. But yeah, because it says that it's still um, there, so I don't know because I don't know how old this article from the Chamber of Commerce website is. But um, yeah. All in all, I definitely think it's a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the probably the local legends that has the most depth around here that I've seen. Yeah. Um, and there's actually quite a like there's quite a bit to it as well because a lot of like things around here like Russian's Lock and stuff like that, it's hard to find out like any like actual truth. Yeah. In the legend, um, and I think it's interesting that yeah the Bermudian Chamber of Commerce like we're just gonna make a big article because it is like the first thing that comes up whatever you search this yeah it's really so. strange that like they would do that because usually a lot of these they small towns away. are like yeah they really stray away because they don't want people going back there they don't want them to vandalize things yeah. i mean they even talk about not just the history but the reported like things that people like see um, yeah like ghosts and stuff like that but um yeah so yeah let us know what you think um and yeah thank you very much for watching and or listening if you're watching make sure you subscribe and click the notification bell so you don't miss any Still upcoming videos. If you're watching this when it actually comes out, it's getting very close to Halloween time. So Yay. expect loads and loads of more content as we go to haunted houses and review them. Yay. So, yeah. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye.